This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. We're starting a new series of lessons, and I've been uh, thinking about this for a while, and the Lord gave me this thought of uh, the moving of the Spirit. The moving of the Spirit. And I would like to go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and when I, we come across different areas that talk about the Spirit. And when I'm talking about the Spirit of God, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, I'm talking about all these, this third person of the Trinity. And it's, I believe, going to be a very interesting and enlightening study for our personal lives because you will find whenever you see, especially capitalization in the Bible of the S, the Spirit, it's talking about the Spirit of God, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, it's talking about what is happening in a particular time to a person, group of people, could be anything. And so we, we will... We will come across these areas in the Bible and we will try to expound upon them and see exactly what has taken place. Uh, and I may reference some places farther down in the Bible that we will run across again later on and we'll spend more time uh, looking at those areas as well. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Trinity. You know, there's people that don't believe in the Trinity. There's people that don't feel like they see the Trinity in the Bible. But we see that over and over again, and we'll, we'll see that, we'll talk about it as we go along. But we want to start where I ran across the first area of talking about the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, and that is, let's begin right in Genesis 1 at the beginning of the Bible. And he'll get these scriptures up there on the board or you can turn them, turn to it in your Bible, Genesis 1 and verse number 1. And we'll find out how the Spirit is seen here in the Word. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So, we have the earth created. God created it. It's sitting there. It's without no light shining on it. It's dark. It's without form. It's without void. And I believe that there's land and there's sea. There's, these things are making up the earth. It's, it's quiet. It's, it's still. It's nothing, nothing really great going on at that early particular point. But then the scripture says, notice it, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the wars. So I give you these references here because I want you, if I see some of you taking notes, and that's always great to do that. Jot down some of these things that we see here, and we are talking about the Holy Spirit today being referenced to the wind the wind. So, keep that in the thought of your mind here. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So, what a transformation. Guess what? Something 
great happen. The earth sitting there with a form, with a void, quiet, dark. All of a sudden, the Spirit of God, like a wind, moves across the waters. And light suddenly starts to come. I mean, things have just changed dramatically because the Spirit of God came on the scene. And I want you to notice that as we go through the Bible, when the Spirit of the Lord comes on the scene, when the Spirit has His way, when the Spirit is allowed to do things in your life and my life, in circumstances, things change dramatically. And you know, we'll find out later on, sometimes it's up to us to let the Spirit of God move in our life. A lot of times. He's there. He wants to help us. He wants to do that. But we have to come to that point. I'm talking about after salvation that we let the Spirit of God continue to move and work in our lives. So the Spirit of God seen here today in the Hebrew, it's called the wind of God. It's a mighty wind. It's a great wind. Can you imagine the wind that had to be in that moving across all of the waters of the earth? And things come alive. The breath of God would be like the living Spirit of God. So let's move down into Genesis just a little bit farther and look at Genesis 2-7. Here, we're thinking about, just like it is in the Hebrew, and it's also in the Greek, this breath of God. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to think about, how God could breathe upon something and some great things take place. Now, you know the story of, the, of man being created. In Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And notice this, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life. And what happened at that point? Man became a living soul. So here's man standing before him, just a shell of a man, just standing there. Nothing's happening. Nothing exciting's going on about this human being in front of God. Until God draws back and breathes the breath of life into him. And he becomes a living soul. So we find out how important it is that we have the breath of God, the light, the living breath that we need. And what, that's what Adam needed in order to start breathing, start moving, start living. He became that living soul from that point on. And we know a little bit later on, because he became a living soul, his soul was going to be required of him. He was going to have to make some decisions, and he made the wrong one. We make decisions all the time in our life, and we make good ones, we make bad ones. We make positive ones, negative decisions. And I encourage all of us to think about before we make a lot of decisions in life to let the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit that's within us, 
Help us make decisions right. Help us do the right thing. <clears throat> so I want you to recognize that when the Spirit moves, important things happen. Now, just like the Spirit moves in our life and does some great, really all of it's positive things, but we could probably think about some of them like on a negative side. In other words, let me explain. If, if the Spirit, if I'm walking in the Spirit and I'm listening to the Spirit, we know the Bible says He leads us, He guides us into all truth. But what about if I do something wrong and I sin? What happens then? the Holy Spirit convicts us of that sin. We get this, oh, this feeling inside like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted like that. And I know that's wrong now. Well, what made us get to that point? We realized we did wrong. We know that it's wrong. The Holy Spirit. So even though it seems like not a pleasant thing, I'm glad he does it. Aren't you? I'm glad he does convict us of things. So the, 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 that spirit, that breath, that wind, that conviction, that, that happens in our life as well as on the blessing side of our life where we're led in the right direction, we're doing the right things, and, and it's all because he's helping us. Isaiah 40, verse 7 and 8, look at how the the Spirit of the Lord worked here. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know, We'll, we'll reference the natural things as well as the spiritual things. Out here in this world, we see the, we're right at the time where springtime, flowers are coming up. Beautiful things are happening we're seeing all around us. But you know what else we've had in the last two months? A whole lot of wind. <laughs> and that wind can destroy some things. That wind can come through and knock down those flowers and knock down this and that. And, and really bring it down to a point that we saw a great wind has come through here. And the thing is, as we look at people today, I believe this says, the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. I believe there's a time where the Spirit of God is working across this earth. And there are some people that are going to going to walk with the Spirit and move with the Spirit and, and, and live a victorious life, but there are also some people that are going to fall down. They're going to pass away. They're going to have some things happen in their life that really knock them down. And so this, this uh, Spirit of the Lord that's blowing, and I like the references we're seeing on the wind and the breath of God, you know, there's some people, we go back and think about the very first verse that we looked at in Genesis. There are people who argued that the wind, the no wind existed because the atmosphere had not been created yet. And that's really wrong. If the water was there and existed, then the atmosphere was there. And what God did, He just used that atmosphere. He used what was already He had created, and we find that He... he 
He used that force of wind to blow across. And let's think about the wind. It's an unseen force. None of us can see the wind. Oh, you, you say, yeah, I've seen the wind. No, we see the results of the wind. We see the things that are caught up in the wind. Whether it's a tornado and we see all the, the things that are swirling around and we're saying, oh, I see the wind. No, we're seeing the things inside. If we took that, that stuff away and the tornado still came through, we, we wouldn't be able to see the wind with our eyes. We'd feel it and we see the results and the damage, but we wouldn't see it for ourselves. And I think that the reference that we can see here is that it's more, much more than just a wind. The Holy Spirit is coming from the divine one. It's God's Spirit. Now, as we compare it to the wind, when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, I can't see Him come up walk down these aisles. I can't see him through the pews. I, I can't see him up on the platform. I, I can't see the Holy Spirit. But I tell you what, I've been in services where I see the results when the Holy Spirit takes over. I've seen the changes that take place in, in the pews in people's lives and the, the things that come across their, their face and how they react and their arms are upraised and they're crying and they're praising the Lord and their things are happening. And it's an unseen force, but it's the Spirit of God that's moving. And so it's very important to recognize that. Let's see how Jesus explained it to Nicodemus. We'll go to John chapter 3, <clears throat> begin reading in verse number 1. When I taught on the Gospel of John in our Sunday school class, we covered this story really good about Nicodemus. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's an important man. He's got a position. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles except thou doest, except God be with him. And I'm not going to try to take a lot of time to go into this story again, but I think Nicodemus came by night for a couple of reasons. He probably didn't want to be questioned from all everybody else while he was talking to Jesus, for one thing. And he wanted a private conversation with Jesus with no one around. He wanted to get, get some answers. Evidently, he had been watching Jesus. He had seen some miracles take place. You see what that scripture says? He said, you know, I know that thou art a teacher come for God because what? The miracles that you've done, I've seen them. So I know there's something different about you. So he recognizes that. The Jesus answered him and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, in verse 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When he said that to Nicodemus, Nicodemus started scratching his head. He saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus is getting ready to try to explain some of this to him. But he says it like this, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of what? The Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
You're going to be born one time into this world. But then there comes a time when the Holy Spirit will convict you as a sinner that you need a Savior, that Jesus died for you, and when you realize that you're lost, you confess your sin, you accept Him as Savior, then what? You become born again. So this is what he's trying to tell Nicodemus here. And he says, unless you get to that second point, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You won't see it. There's a lot of people today that feel like, I'm going to heaven because I've done this nice thing and I've helped this person and I've gave to this charity and, and, and I, I don't do anything wrong to anybody out there in the world. And so I know God's going to smile upon me when, they, when judgment day comes or when it's time for me to die. But that's not the case. Unless we're born the second time. We're born of the Spirit, Jesus put it this way. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but there's a difference. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We're all born into the world. If you're sitting here today, you were born one time. <laughs> but not everybody sits in these pews this morning will be is born again. I don't know who's born again. I'm not a judge of that, but God knows that, and you know that. So he tells him in verse 7, he sees Nicodemus scratching his head and the look on his face, and he says, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. Don't, don't be surprised about my words. But now here's that word, the wind again. Look at this. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, whether it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Did you know that most of us had no idea the time when we were going to be saved until it happened? Maybe somebody had been witnessing to us. Maybe somebody had been telling us about Jesus. Maybe we've been reading a little bit in the Bible. We've been going to church, hearing some sermons. We've heard some gospel songs and all those things kind of working on our hearts and minds. But then all of a sudden, at some point, the Holy Spirit said, this is what you need to pay attention to. This is what I've been trying to get across to you, that you need Jesus. And when we realized that at that point, the Holy Spirit's conviction was so heavy on our hearts that we had to do something about it. And we asked the Lord to come in our life. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear the sound, but you can't tell where it cometh. I can't tell when the Spirit of God is going to move on someone and do something, but I know He's there. And I know He wants to do that. You know, I watch these meteorologists on TV and they get that map on there and say, well, it's going to be windy today, 10 to 20 knots. And it's coming from a front down here in the north or down here in the south, and it's going to come up through Virginia, and that's when we're going to get all this wind. It sounds like they know where it's coming from, but they really don't. They don't know how long it's going to last, what it's going to do. I've often said that's the only job that I know of that they can tell lies and get away with it all the time. <laughs> that just tells me, though, they don't have all the answers, though. Only God knows those things. But they do a good job. I'm thankful for what they do and that they're able to warn us to have an umbrella or be ready for this or that that's coming. 
But we should always be ready for the moving of the Spirit. This morning, when we get ready to start our service today, things begin to get going, and the music, and the singing, and, the, and then the preaching. We don't, just don't know how the Spirit's going to move. But He wants to move. He wants to do things in people's lives. And so we, we look for that. Now let's go back to Nicodemus. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to them, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Jesus kind of messing with him now. Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we know and do testify that we have seen, and ye, have, ye receive not our witness. So the wind bloweth where it wants to go. The Spirit of God is that free agent that moves however He wants to move and work in people's lives however He wants to do that. He works on people's hearts. He works on the unsaved that need to get saved. He works on the Christian that needs to walk in His Spirit and, and, and walk right. He, he does all of these things, and it's a powerful we think the wind is powerful out here in the world today when we see it blowing. Listen, the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't realize how powerful that is. And I don't believe we can stand in its way when He wants to do something in someone's life. Listen, it, it will take a hold to the Satan's strongholds and pull them down. It will help with sin. It will help with a corrupt man's heart. Nothing can match the Spirit of God. So when the Spirit works, who can tell what will happen? We got a bunch of wind coming through. You don't know what it's going to destroy. You don't know out here in this world what's going to happen. You know, people talk about these tornadoes that come into there, and it was just some on the, on the news I saw this morning. Utterly destroyed everything. The whole home, everything. Gone. And just... The day before, everything was fine. But that quick, that destruction came. And that quick, we need to realize God can save someone. God can help you and me. He can move in our situation. We never know what the Spirit of God is going to do. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell when it cometh or whether it goeth. So the wind, the sound, the force felt, but none of it can be seen by the human eye. We can't tell where it comes from. We don't know how long it's going to last, when it begins. The Spirit of God is the same way. We don't know what person... You know, sometimes I, I remember looking back at people and thinking, man, they are such a evil person and the things they say and do, they'll, there's no, they'll never get saved. Boy, has I, have I been wrong. Because you don't know when someone will say something, they will read, hear something, and the Spirit of God will use that. And I've seen the, the most vilest sinner be changed to a new person. And it was only because of that power that the Holy Spirit could do that and bring that person to that point that all my words would never do, but he could take something and use it 
to change a person's life when they begin to listen to it. But we need to realize as far as a natural man goes, you remember what he said to old Nicodemus about the first, first birth? Born of the water? You haven't been born again yet? That person, and you, you know it, you've been Christians a long time, you know it. When, before you got saved, people could talk to you about the Bible. You could even read the Bible. You didn't understand a lot of it. It just didn't get through to you. It didn't mean a whole lot to you. Until you got to that point where you gave your heart to Christ and it's like the Lord opened up your eyes. And now, when you open up the Bible to read it, the Holy Spirit enlightens you to the things that you're reading. And you begin to understand that. There's a scripture that really explains that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 14. But the natural man receiveth not, what? The things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, and here's the key, because they are spiritually discerned. You see, there, after the Holy Spirit convicts of sin and that person gives their heart to Christ, then they have a thirst to know what that Bible does say, what it does mean. You begin to hear a song differently than what you heard it before. You just heard the melody before. You just heard them sing some beautiful harmony. But then the words start coming through to you. And the same thing applies when you come and sit in the pew and the man of God opens up the Scripture. You come as a sponge and say, oh man, I can't wait to hear what God's given him today because that's what I need today. And as you sit there and listen and he says something that you never thought of before, you just soak it up and say, oh, just like eating a steak and potato. I mean, it just fed you spiritually exactly what you needed. So we go from that natural man to, the, to a point where we have the Spirit of God within us, and no longer is it foolishness, but it's spiritually discerned. I, I think about how sad it is that there are church buildings today that open up their doors every Sunday. And people come in and they're not spiritually fed. They're, they don't get what they need. And the Spirit of God can't move in that situation because you know why? That church building has probably got their programs all lined up. They got their, all their little things that they're going to do at just the right time. And don't you dare try to change that. Let's not, let's not dare try to get off track here. Listen, have you ever been in a service when you thought that the man of God was going to preach and then all of a sudden he wasn't going to preach because the Spirit of God was doing some work already? And begin to move upon hearts and people begin to shout and come to the altar and, and things begin to happen. And, and, and just man of God realized that. He stepped back and said, I'm going to let the Spirit have its way. Thankfully, we're... You have someone in tune to do that. 
Because sometimes that's what the Spirit of God wants to do. He just wants to, he just wants to minister to people. And it's so sad that some of our church buildings don't allow that to happen. Thank God there are many that do, though. But as I break down that verse of 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says the natural man, every man that hath not the Spirit, there's no way to obtain the knowledge that we need to know. They receive it not. And it's foolishness to them. Have you ever talked to somebody about the Lord and tried to talk to them and talk to them and they look at you like you're foolish? And like you're wasting your time? I'm not getting nothing, nothing that you're saying. And, and we really shouldn't be surprised about that. But we still have to do what God's called us to do. Because we never know, just like the wind, we never know at some point. One word, one phrase, something I said, the Holy Spirit will take that and use that to have a light bulb come on in that person's mind and say, oh my goodness, I see what you're saying now. So it is very important. Neither can, can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So everyone that is born of the Spirit regenerated by the grace of God. They become something that's powerful, something that's irresistible, and that wind of the Holy Spirit is blown upon them. And they realize that. Yes, we can compare it to the wind, but listen, it's much greater than the wind. Much greater than that. So, the same Hebrew word for wind is for the Spirit of God, the Greek word, same thing. And so it, it could be observed that the Holy Spirit is a powerful, quickening influence in our life. Just like the wind itself comes upon us suddenly, the Holy Spirit is a quickening power as well. Psalm 104.30, Thou sendest forth thy Spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to go across the face of this earth in these days we're living in. I believe that He wants to try to reach many, many souls. And so I think we see, we're seeing that today. Many are being saved. Many are falling away. Things are happening on both sides of this thing as we get closer to the Lord coming back. So it's a divine working. It's something that's, that's, that's happening today and we need it. This mighty, energizing wind suggests to us that it's through the Holy Spirit and it's far more greater than the wind that we can think of. Now, when you think about that word wind, the Lord gave me a thought that, here, you remember another place about the wind that was very important? Uh, yeah. Where was it? Acts chapter 2. You know the story. Jesus had told them to go back to the upper room and wait for the promise of the Father. And that's where they are. had all congregated together in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And before I go too much further, 
that two words, one accord, is very important. You see, that's what makes a difference in a church service. When we come in here in one accord, we didn't come in here to see what each, everyone was wearing. We didn't come in here to hear the latest gossip. We didn't come in here to do this and do that. We came in one accord to, to be fed from the Lord. We came to see what the Lord was going to do in someone's life and in your life and my life. We are one, in one accord. We're, we're to, we got the same Word of God in front of us. We're singing the, all the same songs. We're doing all the, the things. Our thoughts should be on the same thing. We're in one accord. And that way the Spirit can begin to move. So they're in one accord. And then look at verse 2. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Notice he didn't say suddenly there came a wind. The, the windows didn't blow open and all of a sudden everybody, things were flying all around the room. That, it didn't say the wind, it said a sound as of the wind. You ever been somewhere and just heard the howling wind sound? As it goes through trees and around buildings, you, you hear that distinctive sound. People that have tornadoes come through, what do they say? It sounded like a train coming. They hear, they, they hear these sounds. So here, here's the sound of a mighty rushing wind filling the house. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and set on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They weren't jabbering words that nobody understood. In fact, you'll find out here, there was a dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And now... When this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because what? They heard every man speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galilean? We have one kind of people here. They're all Galileans, but I hear them talking in my language. I hear them saying something in your language. Hey, he spoke my language back here. And look how, who was there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the dwellers of Mesopotamia, in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Pagara, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and all the parts of Libya, Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. Not only did they understand what they heard, and not, it wasn't anything that they were just rambling on words. It says they were speaking the works of God. They were glorifying God. They were saying what God could do. And they begin to hear all these things. Man, what a... What a scene it was making to them. They were all amazed in verse 12 and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Oh, they had some mockers there, just like we do today. You know, when the Spirit of God is moving on somebody, and this sister over here has got her hand up almost the whole service and wave, waving it and praising the Lord, and, and here's this person over here going, I wish you wouldn't do that. 
don't know why she thinks she got to do that. And here's a sister that makes her way to the altar every service and somebody over here says, you know, she comes to the altar every Sunday. There ain't no need in that. Shame on us for feeling that way. The Spirit of God is working different ways in different people. That sister can't help but raise her hand and praise the Lord because she knows what God's doing. That sister can't help but come to the altar because she knows God's going to answer that prayer that she's praying. Maybe she sat there praying for you. <laughs> you ought to be glad she's up there praying. The things that are going on here, these, these mockers, oh, these men are full of new wine. They, they, don't, have no, they don't know what they're doing. You, you just never know what God's doing in people's lives in the service. And if this one wants to stand and dance, and this one wants to sing and shout, and this one wants to do that, praise the Lord. Let God use them. I think if they're in the flesh and doing, it, doing something wrong, we'll know it. Then the, then the Bible says our spirit will bear witness with their spirit. Yeah. For these are not drunken, well, let's look at verse 14. For Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And here's his prophecy. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I believe he's doing that today. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days my spirit and they shall prophesy. It was as a rushing mighty wind. Not the wind itself here, but it was like that wind. It made the noise of the wind. It was rushing, it was strong, it was filled the room. The Spirit of God is compared today in our lesson to the wind because of the freeness of operations that He can work in this one and this one and this one and this one. You know, He may be working in this person's life and there's ten people over here and there's nothing really going on with these ten. But over here, there's something going on with this person. It's just the way the, the Spirit works sometimes. And that could be sometimes our fault. You say, well, how can I? I want the Spirit of God to, to, to touch me like that. I want, I want to be joyful and shouting. And You know, doesn't the Bible say that we can quench the Spirit? So that can happen if we come in with the wrong attitude, the wrong mindset, and we're thinking about something else, hey, if our mind's not on what's going on in the service, then how do we expect the Spirit of God to be working in our life and doing some things with us if, we, if we're not even tuned into it? It goes back to that one accord. So it's very important that we realize here that the Spirit wants to work. It wants to be effective in all of our life. The Spirit, in a manner of secret, 
sometimes. We don't really perceive it sometimes, but it's applied to our life when it comes and the power of it makes its way into our heart, makes its way into our life. Listen, I need the Spirit to help me hold down the strongholds of Satan, the temptations of the devil. Those things are going to be out here. And I, I need the Spirit's help. I can't do it on my own. I need the Spirit's help to help me walk through life, walk through victorious, and have that Spirit-filled life. Effectually working the power of God unto salvation. So, I hope today you've seen a great example of the, the moving of the Spirit. We saw it as pertaining to when. And we'll see it in many other ways. Sometimes it moves, especially in the Old Testament, it came upon a person. But after the, after the crucifixion, when Jesus said it is finished, from that point on, the Holy Spirit comes within a person. We don't have to go and, and sit over here and say, well, I hope that some point the Holy Spirit will come down upon me. No, if you're a saved individual, it's within you. But now, we have to let it move in our life. We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to live for God, do the things we should do, and leave that door open in our life that the Spirit can use you and teach you and, and guide you and help you in all things. And He will do that. The moving of the Spirit. It's a great thing, isn't it? You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.